Hello, you're listening to the Faith Point Church podcast, the home of all Faith Point Church messages across our campuses. We hope and believe that this message will leave you blessed and encouraged. May God speak to you clearly as you listen in. So, can someone say, set apart? One more time, can someone say, set apart? In part one, because we have been fasting and praying, when we fast and pray, we are setting ourselves apart unto God. Can someone say amen? Amen. You are saying that, Lord, I want to set myself aside from all the things in my world that normally would consume me or I would consume so that I can hear more from you. It's been said that when you are fasting and praying, it is important that you are in the Word and you are praying. If you are not in the Word and if you are not praying, you're not fasting, you are starving. Can someone say amen today? Tell the one next to you, you are starving. Or tell the other one next to you, you are on a diet. You're on an extreme diet. It's extreme. It's extreme. Because when we fast and when we pray... We are seeking God. It is almost as if you are replacing the natural food for the spiritual food. And you make sure that you are filling yourself more than normal. So it means that, that the amount of time you would normally pray, you pray more than that. The amount of scripture you take in, you take in more than that. Because we are fasting the things of the world so our spirits can gain a hunger for spiritual things. Can someone say amen today? How many of us know that you need a greater hunger for spiritual things? It's a thing that people will often say. You can be in church and and sometimes you can even fall asleep in church. But we put on a movie. All of a sudden, you are focused. Amen. Well, a movie you like because it seems these days people are sleeping in the movies as well. But... You can find yourself watching a soccer match or watching something that takes hours and you're paying attention and it's a sign that our spirits need to reach that level where we can take in the word of God and be focused and be enjoying it as we go. So in part one, we learned that one thing you need to be set apart from is yourself. How many of you know that one of your biggest problems is you? One of the reasons why you're not growing in God is you. Sometimes we must stop looking and focusing on demons and look in the mirror. Sometimes we must stop blaming the devil and look at the one in the mirror. The one you dress so nicely. The one who you bathe is your problem. Sometimes. And we need to separate ourselves from being so self-centered, so self-focused, so that we can be Christ-centered. Can someone say amen today? Last week we learned, which is on the podcast, if you were not there, feel free to listen to it. We learned about the world and how the world is seductive to our lives. And how the world is a tricky thing because not everything in the world is sinful. But it can remove you from the will of God. You see, there are many people who are in the church, but they are worldly Christians. Where you want the respect of the world. You want the treasures of the world. As a matter of fact, there are many believers who even come into the church and ask God for things that will make the world love them. We, we find there are many believers who will even say they want to do ministry, but it's only so that their name can be exalted. It's worldliness. 
And we have to separate ourselves from even the world and understand we've been called to a kingdom. And build the kingdom and not try to follow the ways of the world. Can someone say amen today? But today we are going to get into part three, which is the final part and one of the most important things about being set apart, church. You know, when, we, when you fast and pray, it's not about the, the time you were fasting and praying, but it's more about after the fasting and praying what happens. Because there are some people who, when we are fasting and praying, oh, there was a question that came to me that said, there are some people who are doing six to six fasting. Can someone say amen today? Six to six, meaning you start at 6 a.m., you finish 6 p.m. Can someone say amen today? So someone came to the church and came and said, Pastor Jay, now that it's the last day of prayer and fasting, what happens to those of six to six? Must, must they not extend for the final day or will they eat at six o'clock? Because sometimes at the last day of prayer and fasting, you're already dreaming what you're going to eat. You're, uh, you, hey, some people were telling me, they were confessing their sins, saying, oh, you know, Pastor, hey, you know, when it's the last day of prayer and fasting, at il- half past 11, I'm cooking. I'm cooking my food. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm just waiting for 12 o'clock so I can eat my food and get back into normal living. But we have to understand that the time of fasting and prayer is to set us up for a renewed direction of our lives. And the biggest thing that you are separating yourself from is not only from things, but it is unto God. When you fast and you pray, you must understand that you are separating yourself for the purpose of God. And at times you miss that because you separate yourself from things, but you don't separate yourself to God. That your life is His now. Your time is His. Your plans are His. But instead we go back to our plans after fasting. And it means we have wasted our time. If you have fasted and you have prayed, then you've gone back to your normal life. You wasted time, church. Because it was supposed to set you up that your dedication, commitment, and devotion to God has gone to a deeper, higher, and wider level. Am I speaking to someone today, church? So today we are not just saying what we are separating ourselves away from. But we are learning what God is calling you to separate yourself unto. Am I making sense today in church? The book of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. The book of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I like to say this many times. I love that the Bible says that God knew us before we were born. Because some people have a story of your birth that you may not be proud of. Some people will have a story of their lives that they would say, Oh, I was unplanned. Oh, I was a mistake. Sometimes people will say, Oh, I was an accident. But the Bible says that that is a lie. Because before whatever happened, God knew who you were. As a matter of fact, He had set you apart for His purposes. Is that not good news for your life? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. 
Now what is this telling us? The Bible is saying that you are to be like God. And there is nothing like God. So there's a level about how you are to do your life that is not, that, that many people would look at your life and say that that is different. People are to know you and say, I don't know people like that. People are supposed to see you in circumstances and say, I've never seen that response from a woman in this situation. They're supposed to look at you and say, I've never seen a man respond that way when that happened to him. Because God says, he is holy, but it's not just you must worship him and his, in his holiness. But he says, you too are to be different to everything around you. But where it starts is when you are getting closer to God himself. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 32 to 34. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 32 to 34. It says this, ask now from the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on earth, ask from one end of the heavens to another, has anything so great as this happened or has anything like it ever been heard of? Verse 33, has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have heard and lived? Can someone say amen today? Church, you know, sometimes the the problem that you will have with reading the word is when your view of God is low. The Bible is telling us that the truth is hearing the voice of God is actually a frightening thing because you could die from hearing him speak. Because your body would not handle that the God of all things is speaking to you. The Bible says... It is unheard of that he is speaking and you lived. This is why it, I always find it quite strange when people like to easily just say, God said, God said, God said, God said. Because when we open the Bible, the, the time that God spoke, creation broke forth. But some people just say, God said, God said, as if he is just a, a guy at the spaza shop. The Bible says it is unheard of that that God is speaking to people and they are living. Am I speaking to someone today? You see, you need a higher view of God to appreciate certain things about God. Are you hearing me, church? This is why the Bible says that you are to have the fear of God. Because the fear of God makes you not take him lightly or his word lightly. But let us continue. This has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation? Listen to that. Has any God ever tried to make for himself one nation out of another nation? I want to say it one more time. Has any other God ever tried to take for himself a nation out of another nation? Meaning that the The way that God calls us to be set apart is you may be from a nation, but God wants to bring you out of whatever nation you are and create his own. You see, we we tend to take things lightly because we want to bring our nation and say God must just bless our nation. But what God does is he calls mankind out of their nation and says, I want to make a new nation. 
Because do you know what happened in the beginning of all time? Sin invaded what we are building and what we are creating. Do you know that even for all the different types of, of, of people groups they are, we are all representing or we were all meant to represent different aspects of who God is. That when you look at Africans, that there was a plan that Africans are supposed to represent elements of the character of God. We're we're supposed to show the image of who God is in who we are and how we are. But the issue is sin has come and corrupted it. So now what many people want to hold on to, unfortunately, at times we say, this is my nation, this is how we do things, but we miss the fact that sin has come. So it is not as it should be. So in God, he calls us out of a nation and says, I will restore what it is meant to look like. Am I making sense to anyone today? So he calls us to be set apart because this world has become corrupted. But the first place he calls us to is towards himself. Let us continue reading. Church, am I making sense? Am I blessing someone today? It says this, has any God ever tried to take for himself? Can someone say for himself? Can someone say for himself? Can someone say for himself? We must understand that again, when we are setting ourselves apart, we have to destroy the, you have to destroy the understanding that God is here for you. He has taken you for Him. You see, this is where your Christian walk gets difficult. This is where your walk with God becomes uneasy. This is where you allow the enemy to bring anxiety into your life because you are thinking God is here to accomplish for you when you are there to accomplish for him. This is what makes the Christian faith or your understanding of God difficult. This is what frustrates you is because somewhere on the inside you are thinking that God has come to make it for you. And to build it for you. And to, and to direct the things for you. But he says he called you out for himself. So the first calling over your life is to God. It's not to a dream you have. It's not to a goal before you. It's not to this image that you have of how life is supposed to be, church. But we are to say, God, wherever I am, you called me in this place, in this time for his purpose. Am I helping you today? When you are set apart, you are set apart unto God for his purposes, for his glory, for his plans, for his preferences. Because there are even believers who don't want to serve God because it is not your, perp- your preference. There are people who struggle to give their wholehearted service to God because what God is telling you to do is not what you prefer to do for Him. And we begin to fail our purpose and the reason why we are here. Let's continue to read. It says He calls for Him self and calls a nation out of a nation by testings. Can someone say testings? 
You see, that what the Bible is saying, isn't it great that God sends tests to set you apart to Him? You see, sometimes there are tests you go through. It's not for you to, to just say, oh, it's a test. He is drawing you nearer to Him through the test. Can someone say amen today? He says, through signs and wonders, by war, by His mighty hand, by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. Can we go to the book of Numbers chapter 23 verse 8 to 10? The book of Numbers chapter 23 verse 8 to 10. This is a story where there was a man. Now I want want to just speak a, a bit about why it is important for you to be separated unto God. Are you hearing me, church? Why is it important for you to be separated unto God? When you make a decision that you have separated yourself for the purpose of God, you then have positioned yourself as the possessions of God. Now, one thing about a possession of God is God, the Bible says, he will not be mocked. It means that the things that are his will not be shaken. And the things that are his will not be tampered with because they belong to him. Now, the safest thing you can do for your life is to separate yourself unto the purpose of God that you may be his possession. Because God will not allow his things to be destroyed. God will not allow his instruments, his vessels to be destroyed. He will make sure they are safe and protected. There was a story where God's people, because they were his possession, there was a a man called Balak, and and he wanted to go against God's people. So he calls a prophet called Balaam and says, I'm calling you, I want you to declare a curse over God's people. Can someone say amen to them? So so Balaam says, okay, fine, let's get some altars and let me consult with God to see what are we going to do about those people who are his possession. Can someone say amen to them? Now we find this in Numbers chapter 23, verse 8 to 10. Numbers chapter 23, verse 8 to 10. Numbers 23, verse 8 to 10, it says this. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? Can someone say amen today? He comes to a place where he looks at the people of God. And even though a curse wants to take place, but there is a stopping of a curse because they are his possession. You see, when you separate yourself unto God, you are setting yourself up to break curses against you. Church, there is a real thing called a curse. Am I speaking to someone today? They are real things that are called curses. They are real things that people see in their bloodlines. They are real things that had repeated in parents' lives, in mothers' lives, that they see is repeated in the daughter's life. And the way that you say, God, I want this thing to break, is to say, God, I have set myself for you. Am I speaking to you today? There was a curse that was supposed to come. A curse that was supposed to be spoken. But it did not take effect because they belonged to God. You see, we must ask yourselves often, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Do you feel like you are owned? Because we live in this independent age. 
We live in a day when nobody can tell me next. I will do what I want. I will go where I want. I will speak how I want. I will be who I want. And no one can say anything. As a matter of fact, like I said last, uh, last Sunday, that we are even in a place where people don't, are even afraid to speak directly because now we say, as long as you are happy. Because the one who says, as long as you are happy, they are saying, also when I say my thing, don't comment. When I'm doing my thing, say nothing because I left you to do yours. So everyone is going their own way, but we do not have enough people going God's way. And saying, actually, I am not my own. I have been separated for the purpose of one above me. You see, the thing is, if you are not at that place, you're going to have problems. If you don't feel owned, meaning, if something, this is your phone, DK. This is DK's phone. This is DK's phone. I know for a fact, this phone, I can't take it home. Why? Because I know it has an owner. There are certain places I can't take this phone. It has to remain close to the owner. And if you live your walk with God without the understanding that you are owned... You will move yourself into different houses where you should not be. You will find yourself getting, when there is a, for the example of the call of of a cell phone, if you were a cell phone and you are being called and you're not behaving as if you belong to someone, you'll receive a call but not be able to answer it. There will be a call onto the phone, but it won't get answered because it's not near the owner. Meaning, purpose, your purpose is lost. Am I speaking to you today, church? You have to come to a point where you actually look at your life and say that this life is owned. Not just say, Jesus, you are my savior. Thank you for what happened on the cross. But to see that cross was a price being paid. So now you belong to God. Have you been behaving like you, don't, like you are your owner? Have you been saying things like, it's your life? Is it your way? I ask you, church, then, 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 then give up on purpose. Then quit on your destiny once. Because you will not go where you are called to be. Am I speaking to someone today? So a curse was supposed to come over the people, and it says, and he says, how can I denounce those who God has not denounced? From the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Church, are you listening to me? There was a curse that was supposed to come over these people. And before the curse comes, the prophet looks and says, I see people who don't consider themselves as a part of the nation. They consider themselves unto God. Let's continue reading. 
It says, who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. As I'm going to come to a slow close. Amen. I want to speak about five ways that you can be set apart unto God. Amen. Can someone say amen today? Five steps and five ways that you can be set apart unto God. Because we can't just say we must be set apart to him. We must truly be, we must know how to do it. Can someone say amen today? In the Bible, there's a thing called a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow. In our sermon notes, if you had the notes, it says a Nazarite or a Nazarite, or there's different uh, spellings, is a man or woman who voluntarily took a vow unto God. Can someone say amen today? Can someone say amen today? Someone who voluntarily took a vow unto God. I'm going to ask DK, can you please come up today? Can we clap hands for DK? I want to ask Asisipo to come up. Yeah, can we clap hands for her? She comes up today. Amen. Just stand on the other side. Just stand on the other side. Um, the, the Bible says that it is a man or woman who voluntarily takes a vow unto God. Can someone say amen today? It's not that I'm saying anything, but I'm just giving an example. Can someone say amen today? Amen. <laughs> I'm just giving an example today. I'm not saying anything. But the reason I called you up is because you're wearing all white. Amen. And you're wearing all black. And many times, this is the image of a marriage. Can someone say, Okay, okay, okay. Okay, we're not saying anything. We're not saying anything in this place. <laughs> but why are you guys tense? Are you now? You're like soldiers. <laughs> they, are, they are like so- <laughs> We're not saying anything to relax. So, what happens in, 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 in a marriage is that there is a, a man and a woman, amen? And who have lived their lives doing their, their thing and, and they come to a point where they meet one man and one man meets one woman, amen? Amen. One, amen. One, amen. I'm going to just be clear, one, Amen. They see each other just for the sake of it. Can you just, just look, at it, look at each other? Amen. Amen. <laughs> they look at each other. And a, and, and a woman says, I've seen all different types of men. I've seen, I've spoken to. But because I have met one, I've met you, I want to make, and this is what marriage is based on, it's based on a promise there's nothing because at the end of the day these two people are not related they don't share the same blood they don't have the same background, but it is a vow that says I will stay with you and a man who has seen all the women, maybe not all of them, but he's been around or maybe not too much around, hopefully And he looks and sees one woman and says, you know what? I want to make a promise to you that you are the one who I'm going to build my life with. Amen. I'm going to build and I'm not going to look to the left or to the right. I will look towards you. Can someone say amen today? 
and they say they will live their life. Can you just, guys, okay, just be a bit closer to each other and face everyone. So now, this is the image the Bible gives. The Bible speaks of God's people as the bride. It says the church. All of God's people are the bride of Christ. So, so, so God puts himself as the, in the position of a groom and saying that what binds us together is a promise. That the biggest thing, no matter what will happen in this partnership, great things can happen out of a partnership of a marriage. Powerful things can happen. But the main thing is the promise between the two. Everything that happens, every single endeavor, every child or every business or whatever may come out of, it is only built upon the vow that is made. So on their wedding, they look at each other one more time, one more time. And they say, and they say, just, just, just say a vow, just say a vow. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Make it up, come on, come on. Just say, I vow to protect you. I vow to. provide for you. One more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. I vow to protect you. I vow to provide for you. I vow to give you money. Give you money. <laughs> one, one vow. One vow. Yes. Honor. She vows to honor. And on that they are saying from today I'm holding you to that. From today, I'm holding. And I bring people around to say, everyone hold me to what I'm doing to this person. Everyone hold me to what I'm doing to this person. And they go forward. And it's built on a vow. No one forces. They decide. Can someone say amen today? Can we clap hands for them as they have their seats? God bless. Now the Bible speaks of, the, of a, a Nazarite who would be in the same place and someone who would voluntarily make a vow unto God to say, I will be, I will be set apart unto you. There's a, a place in the Bible and the Bible says that there were three people who stand out who were Nazarites. It was Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist. Can someone say amen today? I think this is the thing that the Bible is showing to you that God calls us to have that same dedication towards him that if you are to do anything significant you are to have a vow that you would be separated unto God I believe God is not only wanting you to take a part of the promises that he makes but God also looks for you to make promises to God I want to ask you are you at a place where you are prepared to make promises unto God so number one, how do we, or how, how would the Nazarites confirm their promise and their vow to God? Number one, how can you do it? Number one, is you must have strong boundaries around what influences you. Numbers chapter 6 verse 2 to 4. Numbers chapter 6 verse 2 to 4. Numbers chapter 6 verse 2 to 4. It says, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, can someone say special vow? Can someone say a special vow? You see, there are many people who would say different things to God, but God is saying, if those who want to do something special for God, and I ask you, are you in a place where you want to make a special decision for God? 
that God recognizes that the way you're living is special to Him. He says, if any man or woman, and this is huge for biblical times, that the Bible says a man or a woman, because it's saying that this is open for everyone because God looks for this from everyone. He says, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must abstain from wine or any other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or any other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisin as long as they remain under their Nazarite vow. They must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins, church. You see, what what does wine or strong drink do? It intoxicates you. And what it does is it puts you under the influence of what you have consumed. It means now it influences the way you speak. Some people have even said alcohol is a confidence booster. Because when they are not drinking, they are shy. But when you just give them some percentage, all of a sudden they begin to, Hi guys, hey, hey, we are good, we are enjoying life now. We are good, they are talking to people they don't know. Because they have come under an influence. But church... God is, is saying that that influence, he, he, he wants those who are separated unto him to be strict about what would influence their lives. He takes it to a point of even grape juice. Grape juice cannot intoxicate you, but because it has the potential of getting there. strict boundaries when you are set apart for the purposes of God you say even if something could get there I don't want it am I speaking to someone today why because God tells us in John 15 that he is the true vine that the influence that must come from you is from Christ alone that, that do you ask yourself often does a Jesus influence you Because you may find that you are influenced more by men than Jesus. You are influenced more by the internet, by social media than Christ influences you. That you say the way you do friendship, you want, you think about Jesus and it changes you. When we are set apart unto God, we say there are strict boundaries to what I allow to influence me because God must be your influence. Even if it's grape juice, I will not have it because it can get there. How many of you have been close enough to something that could get somewhere? And did you not get there? Number two. So a Nazarite would not drink any wine, anything that could even get to wine because they have been separated unto God. Am I making sense to anyone today? But as we're going through, that's, that's point number one. I want you to think about the things that influence you. Amen? The things that influence you. The things that influence you. The people who influence you. Number two is if you want to be separated unto God, it is important that you use visible and biblical reminders of your vow to God. 
You know, there are some people who, uh, some ladies, they have these things that they would bring girls together for. And I wonder why they don't bring the guys together for it. But there's a thing where they say, and they give these girls these purity rings. And they say that it's a sign to remember a certain vow or what you want to do with your life uh, and so on and so forth. But what God called the Nazarites to do, let's look in verse 5. It says, during their entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their heads. They must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. Can someone say amen today? So this is a sign that would eternally be on their head that they are separated unto God. So I encourage you, church, that if you want to live a life that is separated unto God, there must be something visible that you are reminding yourself that your life is dedicated unto God. Whatever it may be, however you may look at it, as long as it is biblical, something visible before you, because as a person you forget. If you think it's going to stay in your head, it's not true. You have to look for something that you can use to say, I remember that God is who I am separated unto. Why hair? Book of Matthew chapter 10 verse 30 says, And even every hair on your head is numbered. The Bible says that for whatever reason, God has decided to use hair as a point where he's showing his intention for people. How well he knows it. It's like he'll use hair. So when the hair grows along, it's to understand that there is intention over me and I must have intention unto God. Am I making sense to anyone today? What can you find in your life that will remind you that you are separated unto God. What can you use? I encourage you as you're taking notes or maybe you'll listen to the sermon at some point again on the podcast or whatever, but please look into your life. Have something to remind you that you can see that your life is not your own. Number three, let's see, in, you must separate yourself from all death and idolatry. If you are wanting to be separated unto God, you must separate yourself from all death and all idolatry. The book of Numbers chapter 6 verse 6 to 8. It says, Throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Can someone say amen today? God says they must not go near a dead body. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sisters dies. They must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. Throughout the period of their dedication, they are to be consecrated to God. Can someone say amen today? You see, when God calls you to be consecrated unto him or separated unto him, it means all things that bring death to your life or all things that are dying, all things that are not centered in God, you are to separate yourself from those things. The Bible says that you must not be, they are not to touch or be in the presence. Can someone say the presence? Can someone say the presence? You know, in these days, there are people who have come out and they are saying that they are spiritual. They say they're not religious, they are spiritual. And they say, oh, I, I have to check the energy, the energy, I, I can feel the energy. Oh, this energy, your energy is off. Your energy is off. I've never heard someone say your energy is on. It's only off. Negative. 
negative. Why are you telling me my energy is on also sometimes? But what they are saying is they are sensitive to a presence. And they say, if there is, they, they will say, they're not in Christ, but they will say, if there is a presence around me that I don't understand or I feel not comfortable around, I will remove myself from it. You see, it's the same thing that God says to his people who are separated unto him. He says, you must understand the power of a presence. And to know when you walk into certain rooms, when you have certain conversations, that if it is not, if it brings death to get out, to leave it. But the other powerful thing that God breaks in the heart of the one who is dedicated to him is idolatry. Church, I'm going to say something that is a bit challenging that God calls us to, but nonetheless, it is in his word. He says that even if it was the mother, father, brother, or sister, can someone say amen today? You know, one thing that is very true is many times as people, we can idolize family. Am I making sense to anyone today? It's a very deep place. It's a very deep place because as a matter of fact, there are some people who, who will leave the purposes of God following their family. There are many people who will, who will leave what God is telling them to do because of their family. Because my fa- and, 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 and it is such a deep place, hence God touches on it. And, and he calls you that your, your separation unto God must be so deep that your family does not even compare to your dedication to your God. Luke chapter 14 verse 26. Luke 14 verse 26. It says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Obviously, Jesus is not saying you must hate them. But he says, in comparison to your life to God, if you compare your love for God, your love for everyone else must seem like it's hate. If you compare, it does not mean you must now hate. It means the love you have for God must go higher than the love you currently have for family. As a matter of fact, it would be encouraged how you love your family. Keep it there. Keep it high. But take what your dedication is to God far higher than what that is. Are you listening to me, church? We can be guilty of idolatry. We can be guilty of idolatry. Are you listening to me, church? Where we respect the family more than we respect God. But one thing we must understand is respecting God over the family is the best for the family. Are you hearing me, church? Let's read this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 39. Jesus says something powerful here. It's a tough teaching, but it's a powerful thing he says. He says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. Listen to that. Jesus says, don't suppose that I came on earth to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Let's continue reading. For I have come to turn man against 
his father or son against his father. In other versions, it would say, because of me, son will turn against his father. Daughter against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Are you listening to me, church? Are you listening to me, church? Is this not, this is obviously not an easy thing to hear. But often when you hear something and it makes you uncomfortable, often you know that you are hearing something powerful from God that's calling you to live at a higher place for Him. The Bible says that because of Jesus, there are times that in your family you are to have a sword. There are times when there is to be a sword that draws a line or cuts something off. Or cuts something down. Or cuts a conversation. Or cuts a direction. Not just to say, no, because it's, it's family, I'm going to go. No! Jesus says that because of him, those who are separated to him, he will get to, you will get to a point where, the, where even in the household there will be a line to say, I will not do that thing. But if you have idolized your family, you will reject what Jesus is saying. Christ will come after your father. Christ will come after your mother. There are some people, even if you think about parents who must raise children, some, some parents don't raise their children in the ways of God because they say, I don't want my child to feel bad. Are you listening to me, church? I don't want to, I don't want to treat them that way, even though God is saying, put them on the right track. Refuse certain things. No, I want them to, I, I don't want to be so hard. You've loved your child more than you've loved God. Not even that, church, but there even at times, we know that the Bible says, the obviously, the Bible continues, because when you read the Bible, you must read the whole counsel of Scripture. So the Bible does, says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and spirits. So there are times the church... You must grow in your discernment because sometimes there are people in your family that it's not so much them, but a spirit behind them. It's not, yes, you will love them, but there are times when there is a spirit behind the person that influences them. And you are to understand that and to not just move into the influence that is moved by that spirit behind them. Church, do we know that, do you know that you are a spiritual being? That every one of us, we are spiritual. So when you go home, and sometimes you can be in a household that does not respect the house of God. There's no dedication to the things of God. You must know the spiritual dimension in your house. Because otherwise you expose yourself 
to those things and find yourself lacking in your commitment to God. But you were just hope. You were whole, unaware of the spirits, the dimensions, things that are not intentionally being cut off over a household. But you just walk in because it's family. You see, the idolatry of family allows for the enemy to have a foothold into households and for things to not change. Can someone say amen today? You see, when you raise up the sword, the Bible describes the sword to be the word of God, which means the truth. Sometimes when you're standing in a place and you stand for truth, you give people an opportunity to hear the truth too. But if you follow what your family is doing and you're even proud, hey, we do this. Hey, we move like this. Hey, we are always like this. Then you will continue to eat the fruit that is not of God. The last two things I want to say. If we want to be separated unto God, let's see. You must practice restoration, rededication, and repentance. The Bible says in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 9 to 12, it says, If anyone dies suddenly in the Nazarite's presence, isn't that beautiful? That God knows that sometimes suddenly things can happen in your life. That even the Nazarite, you can be trying to serve God, but sometimes something can happen that messes up your commitment to God. Thus defiling the hair that symbolizes their dedication, they must shave their head on the seventh day, the day of their cleansing. Then on the eighth day, they must bring two doves and two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tent. The priest is to offer one as a sin offering and make atonement for the Nazarite because they have sinned. They sinned by being in the presence of a dead body. The same day they are to be consecrated. They must consecrate their head again. Verse 12. It says they must rededicate themselves to the Lord for the same period of the dedication and must bring a year old lamb as a guilt offering. The previous days do not count because they have become defiled during the period of dedication. Can someone say amen today? The Bible says that when the, if anything happens and and things mess up, rededicate yourself. Rededicate yourself. Rededicate yourself. You see, there are times when you have been living separated unto God, but now suddenly something happened and you are no longer separated unto Him. You are now worldly. You are now following the desires of the flesh. You are now not so concerned about God. The Bible says, rededicate yourself. Can someone say amen today? Practice restoration and repentance because you're not going to get it right. Then the Bible says this interesting thing. It says the past days don't count. Some people can be upset at that and feel like, oh, all that hard work is gone. But what God is actually saying is he's giving you a new start. Start afresh. Start afresh. You see, when you're dedicated unto God, you practice rededication and starting afresh. Are you hearing me, church? You see, the enemy will tell you and remind you of your mistakes. Will remind you that you did this. Will remind you, remember when that happened. But God says, those days don't count. Start again. And lastly, lastly, amen? I think I didn't put it on the notes here. 
But as, as you keep reading down, the Bible says, the Bible explains to say that they comes, some Nazarites would say that they want to stop, they want to stop walking on this set-apart life. They would say, I want to get out. And there would be this big process. They would have to bring uh, bread. They'd have to shave their hair. They'd have to bring all types of things. And it would cost so much for them to come out of this place of dedication unto God. And the Bible says, and then only then they can drink wine again. Only then they can drink wine again. But what we miss is what it costs the Nazarite to go back. And sometimes you can find that you have had a temporary commitment to God. You look at time and you say, by the, on this month, I don't think I can do it anymore. By this day, if, if this is to happen in my life, I don't think I can serve God at that level anymore. It means that it was temporary. But what you miss is that you are going to lose a lot when you try to move from being separated unto Him to then doing your own thing. You will lose a lot. Make a decision that you will be permanent and not temporary. That it's a permanent decision. The Bible tells us that Samson made huge mistakes. And the Bible says that the power that he had was in his hair, but it was not so much in his hair, but it was more in the fact that he was separated unto God. His power was not in his head. It was in that that was a vow unto God. And for each person, as, you, as we are, this year is still new. Amen? Amen? Tell the person next to you, it's still a new year. I saw a video, I think it was on Instagram, and then it was like, uh, there were people on a race, and they were running. And then this girl, she fell. Like they said, on your master, say, go. And then she fell, and everybody ran, and they were like, a, 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 a point of view of how my year has started. It's like you're stumbling right in the beginning and, and she's trying to run and trying to figure it out. But I want to say this to you, church. Your, your strength will be in the fact that you are separated unto God. That is what will carry you through in this year. This year is not going to be full of nice things. This year is going to have some tough things, tough situations, sometimes mentally, sometimes emotionally, sometimes financially, sometimes in career-wise, sometimes with studies. It will be tough. But making a clear decision that your life is not your own, it belongs to God, will be your power. I want us to say a prayer today and it's to get to the place of the vow. The vow. God has called the church his bride and he says that he, he stands before you and he has made his vows to you. But then there always comes a point where the bride must speak. There comes a point where you must speak to God and say, are you making the same promise to him? that you are his that you give yourself to him you give your mind to him it's yours God I, I vow to you I vow this to you I will not be that you will not be one who breaks your promises but a promise I will keep is that God I am yours 
Yes, the world will call you and try to seduce you. Yes, the world will say, no, you don't have to be that dedicated. You don't have to give your whole mind to God, no. You can fool around a bit. But God stands and says, I have, He has vowed to you. It's time for you to make a vow as well. Are you listening to me, church? Are you listening to me, church? That there are times when you are to look and you say, I made a promise. Am I making sense to you, church? Times when there's more moments when you're going to stand in a place and you must be like, I made a promise. I vowed. I vowed. That's why the Bible, even when God's people would stray, he would say that they are an adulterous people. Why? Because we made vows. We promised each other. So in this year where there's going to be so many temptations, so many seductions of the world, of the flesh, and of the enemy, will your vow stand to your God? Will your vow stand to your God? Now there may be some people in this place where you need to make a rededication to Him. Say, God, I, I, I need to rededicate my life to you. And I want to give people that opportunity in this place. Can someone say amen today? Can we stand on our feet together, church? I just want us to say a prayer. Can we lift up our hands? I just want you to think of, uh, just to have the picture just that the Bible gives us of a marriage. Knowing that God has given you His promises. And He waits for you to make a vow to Him too. I just want you to lift up your voice and just to say, Lord, I give myself to you. Amen. Let's lift our voice and let's pray. Father, we come before you. We give you praise. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus. May you help us, my God, today. Help us, my Lord, to make a vow to you. I pray, my Lord, that we will be separated for your purposes. Separated, my God, to serve you. Separated, my God, to love you. Separated, my God, to honor you, Lord. Separated, my God, to worship you for your purposes, Lord. We know, my God, that our lives are not ours. We know, my God, that our plans, my God, cannot be given to us. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name that each person in this room, each person in this room, help them, my God, and give them grace to promise and to make a decision today to give their hearts over to you. Lord, I pray, my God, the same way that the Nazarites would make this vow. May we make this vow and may it not be temporary. We pray, may this be permanent in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I lift up every life in this place. For Father, we know when we are given to you, we are in the safest place. Father, help us to draw strong boundaries around what influences us, Lord. Lord, we pray, my God, help us to have visible reminders of who we have been separated unto, God. Father, I pray that you would give us grace to separate ourselves from all things that are dead and from all idolatry in Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to stay updated for more messages.